I know your name is Elian. Mm-hmm. Um, and we met at a dinner through a friend. And everyone was just saying, you need to do a podcast with this girl. You need to do a podcast. And so I said, okay, great. And we like we met. And then you never really told me what we would maybe do a podcast about. But uh, do you want to maybe introduce yourself and tell everybody who you are? <laughs> maybe what you wanted to talk about? <laughs> There's so much I can talk about, honestly. Um, who I am, it's still in the making. I'm not exactly sure. Mm-hmm. Maybe I will never know. Yeah. Um, I can tell you what what activities I like to do and what I what what I uh, what I'm engaged in for a majority of the my my day and my time. Um, I am a um, vocalist, sound therapist, breathwork facilitator, and yoga teacher. I used to the 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 sequence used to be kind of flipped because I used to introduced myself as a yoga teacher right. years ago as my, like my primary. Yeah. That has changed quite a bit. And now my work is primarily about um, the extraordinary, non-ordinary states of consciousness and um, experimentation with the ever-evolving practice of self-inquiry. Um via what the channels that I've mentioned, sound, breath work, and movement, but also uh, by exploration of various compounds and plants. Awesome. I thought it may have something along those lines, but I wasn't sure the complexity of it and how uh, it was happening because we talked about a lot of different things of, you know, just different experiments that we've had in our own life of, you know, trying different hallucinogenic things or something like that. Um, And it's something that's super fascinating to me because um of a lot of different reasons it's for one it's just a huge topic of discussion amongst humans and uh it's a lot more open now for people to actually talk about some of the experiences they've had and and you know i've just you know i've I've dealt with a lot of just really even high high level professionals that i would not even imagine would talk about my their like their trips with mycelium or or different things like this and how it was very helpful as a tool for them to get over something it wasn't uh, in just this state of, you know, let me alter my state. Right. It was mostly, you know, I've, I've ran out of tools and how do Optimization. I... Optimization. Yeah. And so um, it's kind of funny how we've aligned to like have this conversation that I'm like full uh, Joe Rogan ripoff at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> but... it's like, you know, it's all part of the collective pool. He, he, Joe Rogan is definitely uh, an advocate for this work. Yeah. Uh, which is great because he brings it into mainstream. Yeah. Uh, as as other things you know this is when you have a, a big voice like that it's such a great power and with it comes great responsibility so whatever it is that you decide to bring forth you need to like really stand behind it yeah so i really respect him for doing that yeah and opening up the door for a lot of us right to do it as well cool so you um were first yoga teacher and then what did you get in via breath work honestly i was um um, a performer for the first. That's how I okay. I walked into this world. A performer mainly in theater, uh, some film and television, commercials and stuff like that. Uh, I was a vocalist all my life and I was doing that. Uh, one day I kind of like, after uh, a bit of a journey, I moved to New York from Israel in uh, 05 to study theater and at around... Uh, 2010, I woke up one morning and I'm, um, I'm like, mm, I don't know if I want to be doing this, honestly. 
if I really had to close my eyes right now and say, this will be a life of struggle for my art, I'm willing to do it. The answer was no, yeah. which to me implied that this was not really my course. This was not really my path because if it were, I would do anything to continue marching it. And I went back to school. I did some writing professionally. So I'm kind of, I do a lot of different things. And yoga was this thing that was kind of like a, a constant, always something that I was always engaging in. And then I decided to do a training. I started teaching. And the moment I started teaching yoga, it felt like, oh, this is really the culmination of all of my ta talents and passions um, kind of funneled into one in, into one moment. It really felt right. So you might say that yoga was my gateway drug. Yeah, gotcha. Um, uh, but Burning Man and experimentation with psychedelics uh, were my uh, further broker into mm. <laughs> into what then became my my purpose and my my actual work. Right. So when it was the first time you went to the, uh, Burning Man, twenty thirteen. Okay, that was my first year. Cool. I think it's a lot of my friends' first time going there. I've never actually been. You will. Yeah. If you want to. I think a bunch of people are going this year now. Yeah. Yeah. They're just going regardless. Going rogue. Yeah. yeah. There, there's going to be, I'm sure it's going to be a special, a special experience this year. Very yeah. different, but special nonetheless. It is a very special piece of land. Yeah. It is bizarre out there. Yeah. It's like very Mars-like. That whole exactly. area. Exactly. It's very not of here. Yeah. It is strange. Yeah. So I think, uh, I guess... You know the the work that you're doing now is it are you i guess i'm just trying to piece together what it is that you are you're actually doing now so have you kind of taken a collective of all your things and are now creating an experience through people that can go through breath, like a breath work guided situation so in um 2016 uh along with my ex-husband i founded womb center in new york city it's w-o-o-m and it's um a multi-sensory studio um, offering experiences in yoga, breathwork, and sound therapy. Uh, all of the experiences were kind of centered around the therapeutic and psychedelic properties of sound vibration. And the we kind of like created this non-denominational, very neutral, universally uh curious uh practices that don't really align with any specific lineage so we kind of took the yoga practice um and offered a very new environment for it so it was like a a 16.4 sound system sound installation that would envelop practitioners in deep beats yeah throughout the practice. We use eye masks for all of our practices. So there's like sensory deprivation as well as sensory enhancement because we had an 11 projector installation within the space. Oh, so cool. while you were practicing, you were immersed in either visuals of um, nature or sacred geometry movement and color. So it was kind of like that. Uh, we had our... Um, signature essential oil blend that was misted around the studio that was also there to evoke emotion and kind of like nervous system response in a specific kind of way and um 
Yeah, it was really weird. Really? And awesome. Like weird in the best way possible. Yeah. Just offbeat. Right. No one one had done anything like that up until that point. And then um, COVID hit and everything had to be shut down. And I got pretty badly injured and I had to completely shut down. I couldn't walk. I couldn't stand. I'm giving you kind of like the very fast very track. Very vague. The injury? Yeah, are you okay? I am. I'm great. Okay. I, I fractured uh, uh, the second metatarsal at a, at the joint and, and tore a ligament. Uh, it's a pretty rare injury. And it, I, I was really scared for a while that I wasn't going to go. But I'm very active. I'm a mover. So this yeah. was kind of like really scary for me. And I couldn't stand or walk for four months during one of the world's more, most crucial <laughs> moments. <laughs> um, moments. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I got over that. And from New York City, I ended up going to Miami and spending about five months there. And during those five months, I had this new sense of freedom and appreciation for my craft that I didn't have before uh, because I was a business owner. I was an entrepreneur and being an entrepreneur can, if you're both an entrepreneur and an artist, it can really take away from your artistry because your mind is constantly, or at least my mind, was constantly occupied in entrepreneurial issues right like my overhead and P&Ls yeah and paying employees and getting the numbers up and right, you yeah. know all that stuff plus I was also I had a partner which I no longer had because my husband and I we broke up then we separated as business partners and suddenly I was kind of like this single entity within this big entity that was shut down for a year and new perspective, I got closer to my own inner and outer artist. I got to really be an artist when I was in Miami. Right. And I liked it. And I saw, you know, I built a space and then that space built me. And then I felt like it was time for me to not hide behind the partnership or the establishment or the identity piece that came with operating, creating this thing and operating it successfully for five years. Um, and all the, all the cool things that it brought with it. And I had kind of this very interesting moment just a short month ago where I, I was faced with the decision, do I reopen and reimagine it? Or do I say, okay, it's time to move on and, and like close this chapter and start a new one. And it may have been the hardest two weeks of my life when I really had to sit down and make this. No one was going to make this choice for me. I asked people to make it for me and no one agreed to make it this choice for me. Uh, I said, yeah, uh, several people. I'm like, what should I do? I don't know. Yeah. Neither do I. Those are good friends. Yeah, they're right. They're right. Friends, family. And then I decided to reopen. And after the decision to reopen, I had 48 hours of really high anxiety, which indicated to me that I don't need to do that. And then I chose not to reopen and to close the studio. So um, August 1st, I handed the keys back and I became um, a free agent, freedom, a butterfly out of the cocoon. So now I offer these experiences 
partially under the womb umbrella. Um, I do stuff here in New York. I've done something here in the Hamptons, actually, uh, just a month ago in New York in various venues and Miami and retreats all over the world. Now I can do it all. So now because you're just a singular entity, now you can do different experiences, you think? Or you have a different idea and reimagination of what it is that you want to do? Um, some of the stuff is just so great. So everything that will occur under the womb umbrella, every public event is going to be kind of a variation of what I've been doing so far. As for my home practice, my, um, uh, I intend to incorporate other elements, um, um, in, including part of the reason why I came back from Miami at the time that I did was because cannabis was just announced to be legalized. And aside from being a fabulous recreational, you know, substance, it's a master plant. And uh, the, the, the psychoactive properties and the opportunities that could be fine with the right set setting and dosage with cannabis for me is is a very exciting um opening as like a legal um tool tool exactly so is it something that you can now use in a practice in the state of new york not yet but yeah it's um, closer but it's very it's much much closer i think yeah. we're looking at um, the next six months to a year in which it would be completely regulated in hmm. some in some kind of form and legislated um, I actually, my plan was to come back and reopen womb as a consumption lounge, which requires, um, some kind of, uh, license, but now I have, I have other ideas and I, I don't exactly have it formulated quite yet. I'm sure some of it will be under the radar. Yeah. Um, but yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So the idea is that you, uh, is if you're uh, an experiencer, if you will, uh, you come in and it's a room or a setting of, let's say, and you have these projectors, these high imagery projectors. What kind of imagery are you projecting on the walls? Is is there a certain artist that you work with that mm. uh, is creating maybe these compounding geometries mm -hmm. and these different like things that you may see mm -hmm. that those things help you ease into your experience and does the sound all match? Is it like, so mm -hmm. give me like a kind of an idea what the experiencer feels and what it would look like. What and, it looked like. Yeah. Because the, the space is no no more. Right. Right. Well now, but now as you could potentially bring your equipment and everything. I can, but it's a little tricky. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it was a very special room that we created. Yeah. Um, it was also acoustically one of the most incredible spaces that I've ever had the pleasure of, of um creating in because the walls and the floors were all everything was very intentionally put when in the build out of the yeah. space um the projectors were only for our um movement and it was kind of as a means of having some something to focus awareness on instead of allowing the mind to go rampant mm -hmm. right so we had natural scenery drone footage from cyprus and from hawaii oh, okay. water and sky and leaves from a really close up and nettles and like beautiful stuff just That's cool. that you're kind of like immersed in, especially in new york city where you don't have yeah 
then this was special. And then the, the, the geometry was, you know, what you might expect movement of geometry, very good question. Some of it was actually audio responsive. So whatever was happening sonically in the room was also reflected in what was going on on the walls. Right. Um, the man who created the installation, his name is Dan Baker. And he's both he's both the hardware and software and the artist behind it. So he's kind of like the full package. He's all in. All in. And uh, he, in COVID, moved to Thailand. Uh, the guy who created the, the sound system that's an incredible sound system so my my intention with the sound system was to create a space where there's no sweet spot so you don't have to necessarily be in the center of the right. room to get it's like rich beautiful sound wherever you go so it's like this container this igloo of sound so it's a lot of a lot of uh speakers coming from the walls and the ceiling and, and uh sorry from the floor and the ceiling in a very specific angle toward the room so it kind of creates this this enveloping sitch yeah um that's yeah. cool though yeah it was really cool so do you take all that stuff with you that went with the no, place no all that, the sound no, equipment I, everything it's it, um, I'm yeah. M the the really important stuff of the sound equipment is now in storage. Right. I'm selling a lot a lot of the, just the hardware because what's really interesting about the sound system is the software. Uh, same with the projector installation. So I have like the computers and the receivers and the so and the software, but all the rest, the hardware. If I ever want to do this again, I'll need to buy hard new hardware anyway. Yeah. So. Yeah. So I so I guess I'm. Um, maybe, so, maybe jumping the gun. Yeah. Go, go. Um, but so generally when people do or have a lot of experiences, I've found they kind of, uh, and this is something that I've kind of always been mindful of when having experiences because I'm very actuated. I like to, I like to have action and, and, and make things happen. And, and I guess, yeah, yeah. My life has been growing and I've been reflecting on like how my life is growing and how much things I've, how many things I've accumulated and so on. So is this a result of your experiences as well? Like you're kind of like, I am singular and like, you're kind of becoming more foundational within your realm. So it's like, you're, you're kind of scaling down and then reimagining it in a different way. That's not so big. And like, it's I'm, bigger. Okay. So it is bigger. What do you want to do now? I want to do what I love. What's that? That's, getting people to have deep experiences of themselves so like lesser people or no i'm i'm ready to do hundreds at the at a time, at a time. oh yeah damn 100 percent. so what would be the tool you i just don't want i don't want a cage right so would you do it outside <laughs> i would do what depend you know i've in Miami, I started experimenting with doing breathwork sessions uh, with silent disco headphones. That's, that shit's dope. Hmm. It's great. So what kind of breathwork do you focus on? Um, have you ever heard of Stanislav Grof, Dr. Stanislav Grof? No. He's a Czech psychiatrist and one of the first people to experiment with LSD on life subjects in the 60s. He's actually been living, he's still alive. He He's actually been living in California for many, many decades now. And in the early 70s, 70s when the American government shut his LSD research down because it became Schedule 1, he and his wife, Christina, created this format, a three-hour format, 
that involves circular breath uh, combining with an evocative playlist, um, partner work, body work, um, group work, and drawing at the end, mandalas. He does this mandala. So a lot of my breath work uh, inspiration comes from his work and his writing. And I actually had the privilege of um, breathing with him once um, at Kripalu. That's such a funny thing to say. I had a, such a privilege to breathe to with breathe somebody. To breathe with him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, is, uh, he is such a rock star. Yeah. Um, he recently suffered, I want to say an aneurysm, some kind of something. So he's no longer offering trainings or I think in-person stuff. But he is incredible because he cross-references so many seemingly opposing or non-related things art with literature with um um of course psychiatry jungian psychiatry with uh anthropology and he just like and of course his vast knowledge of psychedelics and psychedelic and you know philosophy he's just amazing so the technique that i use is i actually use three different kinds of breath techniques in a ceremony one is circular breathing which is inhale exhale um, from the mouth mostly is what i recommend but people also breathe from the nose um, it's kind of like the the breath has four kind of pieces to it it's an inhale a pregnant pause an exhale and an empty pause so if you take away the pregnant pause and the empty pause you're left with like with this continuous and I go in various tempos with that it could be very very slow I actually really enjoy slow breathing because slow breathing is more cathartic when we breathe slowly the 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 consciousness favors depth over speed um so uh, emphasis on the inhale and a release on the exhale over a continuous number of tracks i have always music is always a huge part of everything that i do um whether it is recorded or live so the musical journey for our breathwork is incredibly important it's the driving force behind it and then the second breath pattern is an uh in in out so what does that sound like that would be a <sighs> yeah and what this does is similar in terms of consciousness, but it also, when we get, it's exhausting yeah. to breathe this way for an extended period of time. So when we breathe in this way, we actually, uh, the, there are little sacs in the lungs called aviole, and they begin to deflate as we become fatigued. So this actually inflates or reinvigorates them. So this is like the second wind, right? We breathe like that for a couple of tracks mm -hmm. to kind of get our mojo back. And then we go back full in for like maybe two to three tracks in the circular breathing. And then finally I go into retention and that's inhale, hold for a count, exhale, and then inhale, hold for a longer count. And this would be like, um, some, um, free divers would use this technique. Right. Right. Um, and also when you smoke DMT, um, 
when you inhale the DMT, part of that what, what a facilitator will tell you to do is to hold the breath in for as long as you can. And I've been, I've witnessed uh, DMT ceremonies, uh, 5-MEO, where the subject, the receiver, took an inhale of the DMT, held the breath in, and not a free diver, not someone who's trained in breath in any way, and held his breath for five minutes under that. On a hit? On a, one hit. And so it doesn't make you want to cough when you suck it in? You do want to cough. You need to. I want to cough right now just you, hearing this. You need to resist. Okay. You, what happens when you, you're a cannabis consumer? You like it. What happens when you inhale and you hold for a, a while? It makes it stronger. Of course. So here, like the, the, the DMT is so, um, it's so elusive. The body wants to metabolize it very, very quickly. So if you don't hold it for an extended period of time, you will not get the effects. And the longer you hold right. it, and you hold it for long enough, you no longer need to hold it. You're just there. You're just done. Because in the DMT experience, you arguably, the soul leaves the body. And you have a completely metaphysical experience. So there's the body doesn't really matter anymore. And you kind of like abandon it for a second. Yeah. And then when you return, you exhale. So that guy was an infinity. Completely. On the five minute breath hold. Yeah. Fuck Did yeah. he come back just not talking? <laughs> He's just like, I've seen so much. Yeah. The shit I've seen. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. No, not me. I'm like. Oh, him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, but that too. But that too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing yeah. so you've you've experienced this mm -hmm. interesting and so what do you think um going forward with your with your practice and like what you're going to be you know kind of bringing to people that come across your path and experience your program what do you think the best tool is to experience this experience on when you say tool you mean substance yeah the breathwork experience or whatever this hundreds of people get immersed into. So. Is it like BYOB? No, definitely not. Okay. We want to maintain a certain level of consciousness, right? Yeah. We want to all kind of be swimming in the same pool. Um, though the same pool, you know, depending on your angle, depending on your position, you may have a completely different experience of the pool. The the kind of so my work in ceremony space kind of is divided into two. One is breath work. And with breath work, I would feel very, very comfortable having a large group of uh, participants, 100, 200 people in a breath work ceremony, uh, especially if they're sitters walking. Just around. breath work. Just breath work. That's it. If you wanna, if you wanna take a like an edible, I wouldn't be opposed to it. So gummy bear head. That's You're yeah, good. but but a small dose is is not. It's really not. Have you done breath work before? Oh, if I do it for fifteen seconds, I feel so high. Exactly. Yeah. So think about doing it for an hour and a half. That's. I think I need to try that. Actually, I would love to be to pop your cherry. Wow, that would be a lot because I feel like fifteen seconds. I almost pass out. Is that what people do? People pass out. I've never had an experience like that where a person passed out. So when Wim Hof kind of came on the scene, yeah, Iceman yeah. Wim Hof. Yeah, Iceman Hof. Iceman Hof. And what a legendary guy, first of all. Totally. Like, I mean, what a specimen of a, of a person. But a friend of mine and I, we were doing some of the breath work literally just here on the floor, just laying on the, on the hardwood floor. 
and we started doing it. We did it for maybe like a minute and a half, and we were both just like, whoa. Mm. Are we high on something? What are we high? This is feels so, and we were completely sober, nothing at all. And so we kind of like were messing around with it for a little bit. We like do it a little bit here and there, but we never did like a full long experience. So I'm very curious to see what that actually is. Come to the city uh, in late next month, around the 22nd or 23rd. I'm going to have one. Just breath work. Just breath work. Is there... With with what like a like a eye eye fold on or something? What totally. Is, that's yeah. what that's what everyone wears. Yeah. Interesting. How can we not do it with the projector still? Because you're blindfolded. What's the point? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess. I have a friend that does this with uh with ketamine, and they yeah. I think I was telling you this at dinner, mm-hmm. and they they put people into a VR experience. Yeah. Great. And um, you know, which I think is really interesting. It's seeming to be very complicated with you know just cost and. People kind of want a personalized experience sometimes, and it's like it's it's there, but it's it's not quite there. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I think they've had really good results with it, but I think it's I f- think it's costly, and it's. I was talking to my to my friend who's also in this kind of realm, and our um, conclusion of what's going on right now is that there are two seemingly separate. Um, interested parties, right? One is what you would call the wellness industry. I don't love that term. And I think it's kind of like evolving and changing now. It's maybe the 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 non-ordinary state or the altered states uh, industry. Mm-hmm. Pe- like people going to do ayahuasca retreats, you know, this is like a like a like a serious industry now. Oh, I know. It's it's kind of tainted it, I feel. Of course. Of course, like everything. Everyone's going we, to like Pennsylvania to do ayahuasca and it's like... It's fine. I don't actually, personally don't have a problem with that. I mean, I don't have a problem with it, but it's a lot cooler to go somewhere else, right? Maybe. I mean, if it's an inner journey, what's the difference? I could be laying on the, like the, on the seat, the floor of a, of a, of a dungeon. It doesn't matter. You think you'd have the same experience? Probably. Hmm. If, if around me, if the setting is nice and... The people around me, the environment is conducive to the to everything, and I feel held and supported, and I feel safe, and I'm of sound mind, and I came into this with the right mindset, and the doses, right? It, it, the uh, psychedelic experience is divided into three into three categories, not categories, but you need there are three pillars, right? Set setting and dosage. So set is mindset. What do I bring into the experience with me? Did I have a bad day? Am I tired? What did I eat? All the things that I bring, like my, also my trauma, everything, everything that I bring from home into the space. And then there's the setting. Do I have something nice to lie on? Who are the people who are surrounding me? Is it like good vibes or bad vibes? You know, all that. The facilitator, are they, are they, um, making me feel comfortable and safe to go deep? Do I feel like I can surrender? Do I feel supported in this? Um, does it smell nice? Does it? Is That's it what I mean. A, a dungeon might not. No, maybe not a dungeon. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but, but out, you know, outdoor in a beautiful space in Pennsylvania or in a beautiful, For sure. like it can absolutely, I've done, I did my ayahuasca ceremony in upstate New York. 
Okay, I take it back. Yeah, I mean, you just—it's it, not—it's an inner—it's an inner journey. It yeah. Doesn't really matter. Yeah, no, I understand that. I and to your point about like just the industry, it's like there was a guy that was out here. I don't want to totally oust him, but uh, I wasn't participating. But he was doing a sweat lodge then thereafter, and he was been trying to get me to like go do this ayahuasca treatment for like five years. And we kind of did the sweat lodge, and I've done some different sweat lodges like across the country actually, and just had some very bizarre experiences that mm. were pretty pretty interesting um but it was really kind of disheartening because like i we like got done with like the whole <laughs> it's, it's such a bad rap for like the the thing but it's like this is true people should know like this part but like we like, get the whole thing we're drinking out of skulls and whipping each other with these like little like branches and stuff i'm like yeah i don't really know what <laughs> tribe does this but okay and so we like do the whole thing and he has like his whole like spiel that he says and then afterwards like i kind of like he doesn't really know that anybody's watching him so he's like smoking some cigarettes like around the side of the corner i'm like oh, okay the guy's smoking cigs like whatever but then he like takes and he like th goes to throw his box of cigs into the back of his truck and it like he bricks it like he just <laughs> hits the edge of the truck and it falls off and then he just stared at it and then he came back to us and he just left it there and i was like that's in the details you know 100 percent I was like, this guy. Walking the walk is a very important thing. And there's a lot of faux shamans out there. Then he went back inside and we kept chanting and he cried. And I was like thinking to myself, did he cry because he threw the cigarettes on the ground? Do you think? I don't, I don't think so. I think this guy has some weird shit going on, <laughs> <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> but, you know, I'm so into the idea of actually people seeking help and actually wanting to get through barriers because... Yeah. You know, we kind of mentioned this at dinner a little bit because it's like we've we both probably come into into contact with so many different walks of life and people that are searching for something like this. And some people acquire their existence with nothing. You know, I know some people like we said, it's like this guy drinks Diet Coke and cheeseburgers and he's a billionaire. And I talk to these guys and it's like and they, they've never touched any drugs. And but they still have like they're still there. They're still witty. They still have like this like edge about them. They also but they don't have we're not gonna have some crazy conversation about their uh compassion and ex you know what i mean it's not gonna be that in depth but it's it's interesting that we're all in this in search of like truth or you know and i hate to say enlightenment but we like all want to be like knowing what our place is or like what really matters you know it's like uh you know people it's so funny like watch a bunch of people walk into the room and you just watch their demeanor as they walk into a room and you just see who needs ayahuasca and who doesn't a little bit it, and not not to be rude but it's like you know it's it, we all kind of like wonder what our place is when we walk into a new environment and so what we've put in place of that is a bar and so people when they first walk in oh let's go to the bar and get a drink so we can have like a a fixation thing in our hands so we feel comfortable you take that your drink's gone now you feel uncomfortable now you need another drink and that's the legal version of what we all exist in it begs the question right yeah so, so imagine that imagine that bar was an ayahuasca bar and it wasn't that you if the second you walked in the door you felt like you had to have ayahuasca in your hand or whatever just like i feel like there is a way of having a more immersive experience with people and giving them the tools to like actually break through some of these boundaries and barriers that whether we've created ourselves or it's created by where we were born or what have you i mean the whole end of the spectrum so i mean what do you what do you th what do you feel like as far as like the work that you're doing and that you're about to be doing like where do you i don't know where do you see this all going i guess i i see there there i feel like we're about to hit a fork in the road uh which is a great thing 
um, because it's better than uh, prohibition times where we, you know, when where we are kind of emerging out of because this is becoming common practice. There's studies, extensive studies on MDMA, on psilocybin, like all of these things are emerging to be part of, um, of, of, you know, treatment of war vets for PTSD, for depression. This is becoming, there's great work being done by MAPS, by NYU. There's really like, and they're become, they're legit. They're yeah, legitimizing this. For sure. And I started telling you there's a discrepancy between what the wellness community or, you know, the, the Eastern kind of um, approach to, to all of that is, which could also be a little woo-woo, a little unfounded, mm-hmm. a little verging on bullshit, yeah. right? And the medical approach, which is cold and yeah. clinical and not inviting and not, uh, not super conducive to full-on integration because having a ceremony is great. Yeah. But the real work begins after the ceremony. Yeah, totally. It's done. And now what do I do? I had all this insight. I had all these visions. What what am I now? Yeah. Where do I go now with all of this? And this is where we need to kind of like bridge these two worlds and bring like the setting of the Eastern, right? With the with the care and the the emotional presence of the Eastern approach and with the um research-minded approach of the so we can actually accumulate some data that we can analyze and see like this we can constantly modify and tweak it to make it better and better and better yeah so i see that it can you know something that becomes legal um I'm not an anti-establishment person in any way, though the last 18 months have made me a little Uh, more skeptical of what's going on. Um, It is possible that once it's become, it it becomes completely legal and we can probably start looking at Colorado for this, right? Like, because recently they've completely legalized um, psilocybin. Mm -hmm. It's completely legal there. California as well. I think it's Oregon. Oregon? Yeah, I think it's Oregon. I don't know if it's California yet. Okay. I'm not sure, actually. So, yes, Oregon for sure. Yeah. You're right. Um, so we can look at that and see how that unfolds in the next few years. Yeah. But whenever something becomes legal, it can also become very corrupt very, very quickly. Yeah. I anticipate this to be the situation with the cannabis industry. Very, yeah. You know? Um. So it could either be the freedom fighters fight for freedom and fight for this to be a free economic right, or it will become part of the establishment. And this is this is a big it's a big question. I don't exactly know and where that's going to go and what's going to be the standard operating procedure when it comes to administering and and totally possession and and large possession. Let's say I'm I'm a facilitator, but I'm not a doctor or a therapist. Right? Can I still offer this? Because in in I I feel like I I have um, 
I also facilitated uh, and do um, MDMA and psilocybin ceremonies, and that's actually sound centric. So, a sound ceremony would be a sound uh, a ceremony comprised uh, of um, around five chapters, an informative talk about the medicine and about the therapeutic and psychedelic properties of sound vibration, then um, vocal toning using our own voices. Our voices are very powerful because they're the mecha- they're the creative mechanisms, you know, of what we, everything we think we then say and everything we say we then do, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like this kind of like um, cyclical or the three, the, the three um, levels of creation. And, um, and then breathing, of course, always a part, and then listening. So uh, it, during these ceremonies, I play a, a variety of overtone rich instruments, namely uh, gongs, singing bowls, tuning forks, chimes of various uh, modes, um, and other various instruments. And these instruments are very special because everything emits overtones, but these are over rich in overtones. You can hear the overtones. You can actually like isolate them and hear them. I can talk more about this if this is interesting to you, but there's um, this Yale study that I've been trying to getting my to get my hand on for a couple of years now, and I can't find it, but I know because one of my teachers, Mitch Noor, who's been in this in this um, in this industry in this world for 50 years or so, we call him the Gong Santa. <laughs> Why Santa? Because he's, he's a big beard, mustache. <laughs> gong master that's amazing (laughs) yeah he's great he's like a cowboy gonger where's he from pennsylvania wow wow i really messed up with my pennsylvania (laughs) comment (laughs) i guess actually we do edit on this program (laughs) (laughs) it's okay you're human right yeah exactly no i I totally am just playing anyway (laughs) i know um so there's a there's a the cl study found that there is this filter right above the left ear in the left hemisphere of the brain that we share with uh, dolphins, at least with dolphins that we know, that is the filter that receives harmonics, the harmonic spectrum of sound. And it is now believed that harmonics are our way of communing with source, right? Through harmonics, we are, we receive a deeper, more expansive understanding of the nature of reality. Mm-hmm. And um, we can see this also from EEG scans of people listening to overtone-rich instruments. Is this, The part of the brain that is responsible for thought begins to quiet down in activity, and the part of the brain that is responsible for emotions begins to elevate in activity. So... Within these, by the way, full disclosure, forgot your question. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. We just like went on this long thing. Yeah. Well, I mean. It's a, called a rant. It's called a rant. And that's what this is for. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've been, I've kind of had this like idea kind of loaded while you were talking as well. Good, good, good. Um, just in case this was going to happen. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I, I'm I'm glad that you brought up that there's a, a merge to be had in 
medical and and um, what and eastern and western so maybe it's like eastern western medicine kind of yeah, even let's still, call it that right uh because that's one of the biggest things that i think that's mistaken amongst people um a lot of people i think look at people that are experimenting with drugs that are on the outside in or, or substances if you will and they think well they're not actuating they're just collecting all this enlightenment in there but they're not actually uh, you know going forth with it so often that's true right and so and that's always been kind of my fearful it's called spiritual bypassing yeah and it's like but it's like at some point it's like you you want more and you want more and it's very gluttonous i think i think like you said once the, the experience cere- yeah well just having the experience constantly integration is not as fun as like the actual experience. Correct. And that's that's kind of what I'm getting at. It's like, you know, you kind of want more of that experience. And, you know, like you said, though, once you've had the experience, the experience is one thing, but the what happens then thereafter for the next week or two weeks, um, you know, you get a lot more. I think personally, in my experience, I've gotten more from after the experience. Of course. I've almost never had like, well, that's not true. I've had like an aha moment, but also- even, With what substance? Uh, psilocybin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Literally just- yeah, like, like just a smack in the face, like, oh, God, what, what an idiot I am. Like, holy <laughs> shit, I am so dumb, but so beautiful, but dumb, <laughs> very dumb. You know, like that kind of a moment. And you're just like, fuck, and you almost like want to make the phone call right there. And then the yeah. person's like, hey, what's up? It's 2. It's 2 a.m. <laughs> All right there, buddy. But, you know, it's like, I think that's important because maybe I would have gotten there without it, but maybe not, you know, and it's not like it's something crazy, but it's, you know, I think we, like you said, to try to like, you know, optimize to be ourselves. It's, it's a thing. And, you know, not, like I said, I don't think it's for every single person necessarily. I, I, I tell people like, yeah, you should try that. You know, like people that are people, about it, people yeah. that are of a sound mind and not people that are like on, you know, SSRIs. death's door. Yeah, oh, no. Yeah. Nothing, nothing crazy. Like, just, you know, people that I know, my friends, yeah, you should try that. You should definitely give that a go. I agree. In the right in, setting, in, in the, the right... Only in the right setting. Because, and then that's the thing too. It's like, you know, I was explaining recently because I had friends that, that were recently like, hey, like, we want to try this. And I was like, nah, I'm good because I like, I just still like, it's been a few months, but it's like, I still just want to like, just be clear and process, process like what I actually, what my brain thought and where I was. This last time I did it, actually, I got the craziest digital download of design and textile and color array and to be honest colors i'd never seen before which i didn't know that was a thing because i i paint and i'm mixing colors and i'm blending colors all the time and there's just like these bizarre colors that i don't even know how to like recreate quite honestly but i got this really big download it wasn't so emotional it was more like a like just like this like boom like here is it still with you do you still see that color if you close your eyes yeah a little bit but i don't know how to like really recreate it you know, Would you want to recreate it? Of course. I Would feel like that's why I got to? I feel like that's what these things are for. Have like, you attempted? No, not necessarily just yet. I've been kind of playing around with some ideas of like design. I work a lot of things out in my head before I put like a pen to paper even. Makes sense. Like I kind of like really go through this like internalized thought of like I visualize it, I see it in my eyes and then eventually then I put it into reality. Mm. But I feel like that is like what the existence was. It was just, you know, why else would I get that information? I didn't. Why? Yeah. yeah why? Why, why did I get the that? The why is very interesting. Yeah. Right? It's like I'm just this conduit of thing and it's up to me to kind of put my clumsy hands and lead on paper and oh, make it a thing. that's such a great distinction. I am a conduit. I am a channel for it. I mean, we are. Yeah, we are. We, we can be if we allow. Yeah. Because when we, that was such a big insight for me as well. It's like I can allow 
and be this conduit for divinity. Like, yeah. Like, I, I kid you not. Like, I, when I said that to myself, I'm like, I kid you not, girl. Yeah. You could be the channel for the divine. Mm-hmm. This is not even, this is not a drill. Yeah. And you could also be a chamber of suffering. Yeah. If you don't allow. Oh, I've, been, I've been that. I think we've all been that. Yeah. Because there's, there's pressure to do. And being is not so supported, especially in our side of the world. Yeah. And when we allow, we trust a lot. We, we surrender, allow trust. And ex- you know what? We surrender, trust, allow, and accept. When it's not goal-oriented, it's like, I'm going to go into this psychedelic journey. And by the end of this psychedelic journey, I'm going to uh, checklist my relationship with my father. I'm going to get some inspiration about my next project and I'm going to work this new guy that I'm seeing. I'm going to work out that whole fiasco because that's not going so well. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Uh, It can't be. It's like I come with some, I come within with some kind of intention. Yeah. And then I allow it to either unfold into what it needs to become or completely disappear and be something completely different. Yeah. And that goes with, you know, when you, when you, when you create, yeah, you can like, I have this idea, but at the end of the day, when you're really in flow state, you're, you're allowing the peace to be created through you. Right. And that's, that's the magic. That really is actually. And that's, that's, I talk with that about, about that with certain people and, and they're like, I'm not even creating this thing. This thing just kind of happened. That's how I, that's how I feel when I use my voice. Yeah. Not always. Sometimes I'm like, I am singing now and it is torture. I've been trying to tell Angel that's how I feel about when I sing too, but she's not, she's not having it. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't. I'm a not, shower singer, you know. Are you a good shower singer? I mean, in my mind. No. no. Ah, hard no. Are you? but yeah two hands but yeah no i mean i think that uh back to kind of what we were saying actuating you know Mm. what is your idea for helping people in that bridge moment because obviously you can facilitate people through the guided experience yeah and you can be there for them and then everyone goes home yeah that's very that's a very good question so I'm not an integration uh, facilitator. I my my main focus is the ceremony. Uh, after every ceremony, whether it is medicinal or not, I will always reach out to the participants and give an opening. If you ever want to reach out to me, tell me about what's coming up for you. Ask me a question if I could be of any assistance in supporting you on your integration process. I'm happy to be here for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also give um, some tips. My tips are normally sit, write, be in nature. So if you're living near a beach, go to the beach the day after. Um, if you're, if you can just go to central park, if that's where you like, go put your, like sit and listen, keep on the listening process, be in nature. Uh, so meditation, movement, dance, just put on a track, dance at home, just move your body. The body is so intelligent. The body also doesn't forget anything. So whatever it is that our minds forget, 
like, like you have like a piece of insight, the body can conjure it back up, right? Um, and it's very, very, uh, or move, move, like whatever movement, go for a run, <laughs> do yoga, of course that, I love that. No. But whatever you do, like activate that, the body is, is not a trap. It's a vehicle to carry us through this experience. So it has clues. It's like a map. It has clues. Where are we supposed to go next? Yeah. So use it. I also say, don't drink. Don't drink. Yeah. For a few days, I always say before ceremony, three days, do not do any substances, including cannabis. Do not do them. Come completely clean into the experience. And then for a few days after, I say don't drink because if after a, a, a breathwork ceremony, you have a psychedelic, I don't see how that would be bad. <coughs> I was really trying to resist Yeah, coughing. I saw, I saw. It was not happening. That is not COVID, by the way. I believe you. Thank you. I mean. Trust. Trust. Surrender. Surrender. Allow. Trust and accept. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> We could open um, that too. It's getting a little hot in here. Yeah, it's hot, schwitzy. Yeah. Um, and um, and then I say, spend time with animals, if you can, like observe them. Yeah. Or actually be with them after, um, especially after medicine ceremony, being with my dog, and just seeing the purity of heart and the level of compassion and unconditionality is inspiring and children so all of these could be practices for integration of course go to therapy talk to your friends talk to people who want to see you thrive yeah sometimes talking about an experience kind of verbalizing something that is very hard to uh contextualize with speech at the moment you have like this paranormal incredible metaphysical experience how am i going to put that to words you know what a day passes a uh, two days and you're sitting with your lover at home try to put words to it try to feel your feelings and not hold back. I really think that at the end of the day, we're working. It's really great to powwow with your spirit guides and like have incredible experiences of other realms. But at the end of the day, we come back here and the work to be done is here and it's in relationships. Everything is relationship, relationship to ourself, relationship to other relationship to the space that we're in it's all relative it's all in relationship so being like stuck in this oh i saw i was a goddess of the atlantis <laughs> great and yeah. what's the takeaway from that like yeah. how does that apply to here and now how mm -hmm. does that apply to your sucky relationship to your mother this is what i'm interested in yeah so not trying to avoid because the beautiful colors and imagery could be so um, mesmerizing and intoxicating and we get caught up in that. But that's not what it's about. We go into ceremony because we're soldiers. We're there to like work hard to come out and be better fucking human beings. Yeah. Who cares? You are a spirit of, uh, of an Egyptian princess. I don't care. Yeah. How does that apply to you now? This is the most interesting. So whatever it is, if you work it out through a relationship, right? If you have a, a profound experience and you two have a uh, conversation about it and then you receive insight from someone who really cares about you, loves you and wants to see you at your 
best version possible. This is a beautiful alchemy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. This is like what it this is what it's intended for to bring everything closer together. The big so, the big bang was kind of like the explosion. Everything moved further and further apart. Now we want to connect the dots and bring everything closer together. Not why are we different, but why are we the same? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 I think that we are all starting to find commonalities in why and how we are different, but also the same. Yeah. You know, and everyone's so afraid of being different with one another that in this moment, especially that we're all different. Yeah. But we're all the same. Yes. You know, and I don't know how else to like make that mo- more coherent, like it, like to make that more pungent, but it's it it, it rings true to me because it's you know I have a lot of friends that. Not a lot, but I have some that are really hung up in this moment of like difference and the world and the tension of the state of the world. And it's like, please, like, please, just one time. Let me have one one Saturday of your time. It's intense. Yeah. It's intense. It's very, it's a very polarizing world we're living in right now. Yeah. Very polarizing. So what type of people do you find, find you? so many kinds i've had companies you know like tech companies or you know uh, uh, you know like not your run-of-the-mill psychonaut yeah come to me as a group to have an experience Mm -hmm. and then a whole world opens up to them and they become they get on the path yeah uh of course the 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 well-traveled i like working with well-traveled uh, individuals it's my favorite but i also like well like nomadic people kind of well traveled in the realms of the mind ah. people who've had a, a significant experience in travel in 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 uh, psychedelic travel do you think that sometimes there's a there's a a, a vector of people that you talk to that are well traveled let's say right and they've kind of just they're just a little teetered off too deep do you ever find that like there's there's cuz i i I talk to those people sometimes. I'm like, there's got to be gold. And like, it sounds crazy what you're saying, but like, it's only because they're maybe their thoughts aren't collected and they're not constructing their sentences like how you would if you were concise. But do you ever, do you fall, you know, I'm kind of talking, I'm not trying to like stereotype a person. No, but- I totally understand what you're saying. And actually, the moment that you said that, a particular person came into my right. mind. Right. And people kind of say, oh, that person's fried or like whatever, like, you know, and they use these terms, but it's like, no, well, I believe that they've experienced. Too much or not There's enough? There's no too much. Um, it really requires an incredibly grounded person to receive this much information and and to stay rooted in this reality. Yeah. Because it's enticing to be in other realities once, you know, it's lighter and whatever. I personally love this incarnation. It's awesome. I really love being in a body. I'm really enjoying it. Well, yeah, you said at dinner that your favorite state was sober. I love being sober. You know, and I that's a, and that's a it. and that's a misconception with I think a lot of people that are experiencing because they there's a lot of people that they love to be high blitzed. So the, the the question that needs to be asked asked is, are you taking the substance to escape or to connect? Right. If I'm taking any substance in order to forget, disconnect, this is, in my opinion, not the right state of mind to do that. I think that 
these substances, all of them, by the way, are, including alcohol, are enhancing our states of being. So you can see with alcohol, it's a really easy one to point out when someone is, you know, had one, maybe one too many, they go, they drop into their emotions. It's like a very emotional substance. So you go deep into the emotions. And I think for some people, letting loose in this kind of fashion could work. Yeah. I'm not anti-alcohol. It's just not for me. I'm really deep in my emotions. I know. W would you ever do a guided thing with alcohol? I don't think so. Yeah. See, no one does. No. No one's even interested in it, though. Yeah. You think there's something there, though? Like in the right, like, you know, you. Maybe specific kinds of alcohol, maybe like a mezcal. Yeah could be interesting but i uh, you know I, I have no um i haven't researched it and i and i don't have personal experience with it i think you know alcohol consumption can be very ritualistic right you go to church there's wine right the blood of christ mm -hmm. uh also in the jewish tradition um and it's it's very ritualistic also for culture there's like a cultural Russians, it's vodka. It's, it's, there's a cultural benefit to drinking. It's just that we've Americans, Budweiser. That's too. Yeah. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> um, it's it's now so um, it's too intertwined with behavior. Yeah. Right. So if I'm drinking, I'm also talking, I might also be smoking cigarettes. Uh, I'm, I might also be like dancing. It's very, very rec rooted in our recreational behaviors in our, in the mundane. Mm -hmm. And when we go into ceremony, there's like this level of reverence that I personally think that is desired in order to really reach a place of, you know, I, I would say fear. But it's not really fear. It's like this healthy level of nervousness of what am I going to find? Mm -hmm. And if I drink a shot of tequila, I'm not going to find anything new. Yeah. Probably. Maybe not. There are other ways of reaching your emotions that are not necessarily, that, that don't include using any substance at all. Well, I, I totally agree with that. I just, I'm curious because... Everyone that is administering, everyone's self-administering alcohol, right? Yeah. Right. So everyone's, and everyone, well, not everyone, but I would say 70% of people get it wrong every weekend, you know? <laughs> That's such a great way of it, saying and, it. And they literally, the next Saturday or Sunday, they're regretting it and they're hungover. So if there's a way to stick with one drink and lean into the alcohol as it was maybe intended or why it is in our physical space on in this realm... Maybe there's a way to guide through it towards you don't have that one extra shot. You don't eat. You know, it's not it's not the same as eating a, an extra pot brownie. It's it's not the same thing. You have that it's one not. extra shot and it's like you now you can't come back. But the extra pot brownie, I would argue and say that 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 you can definitely overdo. Oh, well, that's for sure. We mostly overdo cannabis. Yeah. This is why people get um, paranoid. Yeah. Because we, we, we overdose on cannabis all the time because it's also very, very casual. We constantly do it, right? Yeah. Imagine in a, in a very scary world, probably for you, but imagine you were only to do, only to consume cannabis once a month. 
It's not the scariest world, but no, this is a little frightening. Might like it more. You might, you would, you would feel it more. It big would, time, big time, right? So you would need a lot less. Yeah, and you would be feeling it increasingly. It would be every time would be like there would be like this moment of like, oh shit, I'm going there again. Yeah. When I I led a meditation on the beach in Miami for four twenty. And um, we did it with silent disco headphones. And I did one month dry, no cannabis at all. And then when we got to the beach, I took an edible, a 10 mil, big, big dose. I'm like, I'm going to guide the ceremony in the state of consciousness of the plant. Yeah. And there was such an oh shit moment for me where I'm like, I'm really high. Mm. And I need to guide these people. Yeah. And that was a moment of, I ha- it was either resist and this persists, mm-hmm. or I really let go into this and really allow whatever comes up to just channel through. Yeah. And I allowed the plant, which for me is very creative energy. It's very creative Um to guide people into their own creative energy. And I really think that the less we do everything, the more longevity will be for the practice. If you go do an ayahuasca ceremony every week without any time in between, just as we just spoke, you just said you had a profound experience. You're still taking your time. Yeah, I'm not trying to go just have an experience again. To, To be completely honest, my... Uh, curiosity level is not in having this blitzed out experience. Like, I mean, I've had that and it's, it's cool to see other things that are, are maybe there. Um, but it's, like I said, it's always been in like the weeks after of just like, holy shit. Yeah. Like I had that wrong or I had that right. Or I tr- should have trusted my instincts here or I should have been better there. Or it's almost always that, you know, and I don't think I ever have that on alcohol necessarily. Mm. But again, I think it's administered wrong by myself. I'm not a scientist, you know, so um, not that you need to be a scientist, but there's probably some really basic logic I could use. You could probably just observe yourself. And, you know, when you I, I find listening listening to be such a practice in every single thing that we do what so, l- mm. <laughs> 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 um, and when you are even if you're just you know we're constantly tripping yeah not only when we take drugs we're constantly tripping on our emotions right when we're in love we're tripping on oxytocin when we're angry we're tripping on probably cortisol and like adrenaline and it's addictive right we're constantly tripping on different chemical compounds in our brains so we're we can always be the observer in the moment i'll give a scenario okay you're invited to your uh brother's to your nephew's birthday party they're turning four and you and your sister-in-law, you don't get along. And you already have like this high level of resistance to going there because like, oh, I'm going to see that bitch. Mm-hmm. Bring the pot brownies. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you in pot brownies. Yeah. 
but you you decide to go there and she says hello to you you have a conversation and you decide that instead of reacting to anything that goes on you're gonna step take one step back from action and observe your emotions in the moment that they occur this is not an easy practice but Mm -hmm. it's doable so suddenly you're like oh my god I'm getting really ticked off right now. My heart is beating a little faster. My palms are a little sweaty. Um, I'm getting hot. Maybe my face is a little tingly. I'm going to wait before I say anything. And you take 10 big breaths. Yeah. Now, this 10 big breath situation, it's such a cliche. It's such a cliche, but it's so true. But this is is what happens. Unconsciously, when we breathe deeply, we process. This is a problem. We take it in and we let it out, right? It's the expansion and contraction of the universe. It's really us at our optimal situation is deep inhalations mm-hmm. and complete exhalations we that we we bring in nutrients we take in information and then we let go of excess literally from the cell right the cell absorbs what it needs to absorb from the inhalation and then it you know poops it out yeah from the exhalation and then you inhale first of all passing of time time is a currency in this earthly realm and it's precious we don't have an an infinite amount of it but what we have with it is ours to have so we should use it wisely and these 10 breaths i don't know one minute of your time of your life could make and break a situation so you take a a a a time difference between between your emotions and the reaction and then After those 10 inhalations, exhalations, you stir up the emotional contents of your body just by like physically, right? Because the body's intelligent, there's cellular memory. You probably have been pissed off in this particular fashion a bunch of times Mm -hmm. and the body remembers and you go into default. You go into pattern. You're creating a pattern. And here you took a break. You broke a pattern. Now you can create a new one. And then you decide, I'm going to answer with compassion. It might feel very artificial the first time you do it. It might not feel compassionate, but then the response back might be so vastly different that some new connection is created. And then the next time you see the bitch, she's no longer that big of a bitch because you've created a, you had a bonding experience and you created it by waiting a second and not reacting. Totally. That's a trip right there. That's a psychedelic journey if I've ever heard of one. Yeah. I, I mean, absolutely. I like as you're telling me this, it's like I've been reminded of a circumstance that happened in Sag Harbor at the coffee shop. And we like we were ordering and it was taking kind of a long time. And then there was a guy behind us just staring at us and kind of just kept throwing his hands up and uh, he's so annoyed. And then we like walk out and he mumbles on his breath, fucking assholes. And then we had to then wait to get our food. And then he was right behind us. So then he had to come wait to get his food too. So I was like, kind of like, as he like walked out, I just like stared at him. I was like, in my head, like there's a multitude of things. I'm like, oh, do I just judo trip this like guy or do I not maybe give him a noogie, you know? Uh, and then I was just like, he like walked up and I was like, I was like, hey, you don't have to call us an asshole. And he goes, oh, you, you fucking, you guys are just so inconsiderate. I go, well, 
well, no, we're not. We're just, we were waiting for her and she was taking her, she wasn't taking her time. She, the machine was like messed up. She had to redo our order. It's not a big deal. Like, look, I'm not an asshole. And he's like, well, you guys from the city, you guys all think that you just have like this special treatment. I'm like, I'm not from the city. I own a local business out here. I'm, I live out here. Like, I'm like, listen, man, I'm not an asshole. You don't have to be like that. And he, I was like, just take a deep breath. And I could not believe he actually did it. This guy's like 60 something. I'm sorry. If you're over he the took, age of 60. It's, he took a deep, deep breath. Oh, he, he went like this, both hands on legs and went. Oh my God, I'm about to cry. And he, and he literally, it literally did that. Angel's friend was there and, I, and she was kind of like, what the hell is going on? Because this was like a whole like movie scene. And the guy's like, and he's like, you know what? I'm sorry. I'm Jack. And like puts his hand out. And I'm like, I'm like, hey, nice to meet you, man. I'm like, my name's Brett. I'm like, look, I like it's it's all good. And he's like, I'm like, hey, I still was kind of like feeling like ah, I still should kind of maybe ruffle you up a little bit. <laughs> I don't think you really learned your lesson. That was a nice breath. That was real cute there, sir. Maybe now you need to take yeah, a breath. Yeah, now I need to take a breath. <laughs> God damn you. So we kind of had like a stalemate. And then I was just like, hey, man, nice to meet you. And then like we kind of like awkwardly sat there for a second. And I was like, all right, hey, have a good day. And then we like kind of like went our separate ways. But I was just like, wow, that could have went so many different ways. Like, you know, I... In my head, I'm kind of like mischievous. I was kind of like, ah, how can I kind of like get this guy? Maybe I'll tie his shoelaces together when he's not looking or something like silly. But it's just like, you know, you kind of like you have these moments in life and like you're, you're right. We are tripping like a, a breakup can be a fucking trip. Uh, a, a new romance is a fucking trip. Yeah. You know, like when you meet someone, and you just fall in love. It's just like nothing matters. Nothing and you're matters. so irresponsible. And it's just like, you know, it, it's a it is a drug. Um, yeah. and I think a lot of people in life are existing in a drug induced state and they don't realize it, uh, extreme athletes, for example. Yeah. Uh, and I, and I talked to a lot of them and some of them are like very curious and doing like psilocybin and things like that, but a lot of them really aren't. And they kind of get their drug through the experience. Of course. You know, uh, and I'm curious about that because, you know, I don't, that's so much more dangerous in a sense than actually doing the experience. And that's somebody that, like, like for myself, I, I crave going and riding a motorcycle. That's something that, like, if I have, if I don't do for a while, I even if I just go ride my street bike in the street. What is it? Is it the speed? Is it the danger? What is it about it? For me, I think it's a, uh, it's, it's a part of me. It's a machine, but it's become like I become kind of autonomous with it. Like we, it's like to me, I think it's like a very first form and very rudimentary form of like us merging with AI. Wow. I've but, never heard that before as a description of an extreme sports person. Well, I mean, not just extreme sports, but even like operating machinery, operating a car. You like it? Well, I mean, I don't necessarily love driving around, but I like driving race cars. Mm. Um, I like riding motorcycles. I like flying in airplanes. What's the what's the connective tissue between all of these experiences? Aside for there's always um, a, a, a vehicle of sorts. Right. Is it the speed? Is it the... Is it the what is it? <laughs> well, imagine you could take a pill and that pill allowed you to only focus on one thing. That sounds like Everyone, Adderall. That, that sounds like yeah. Adderall. And it's prescribed across the nation. Right. That's what riding a motorcycle at a high level is like. You don't think about anything else. You're so you're immersed. You're so in the moment. You're so immersed in the moment. Don't get me wrong. There's some times when you're like, you know, if, when you're young and you're winning a race and maybe the girl that you like's there, you think about that. You're yeah. like, ah, maybe, all right, she saw. But, you know, in reality... The, the totality of it is that you're, you're experiencing something, you're experiencing flight, you're, you're connected to this machine and you are running the program. This little soft thing in this little brain, in this little head of yours is now controlling a thing underneath of you and you're flying and you're jumping and you're turning. And there's just so many different dynamics. For me personally, I think 
I really like, to be honest, I like dangerous things because it puts me into the state of, of just survival Like not like, not just survival, Presence. but it, it's, it's like a thrive mode where you're just like, I'm doing this thing. You know, some people don't even, they don't even have a, a faucet to turn on. So to be able to have a, a $9,000 motorcycle that you can go hit jumps on is like such a gift. And you know, most of my friends have 10 of them, you know, so that's like, and it's such a, it's such a big gift to even be able to have that thing to do. At the end of the day, who really cares if you can go fast on a motorcycle or jump high, but it is a really cool thing to do. And it's such a huge progression of humankind to see what's possible. People are backflipping them and 360s and jumping off of them. It's I think it's a, it's a very physical sign of like how we are emerging as a species. And so with a motorcycle, for example, I think it is, it's like, we're, it's, we are kind of becoming emerged into like a technology, into a thing. And the same thing with a car or a race car or a machine, you know, the machines are the very things that are responsible for why the earth or why our cities look like they do. Mm. And those are controlled by people. Mm. It's now slowly becoming robotics, but right now people drive the machines. Yep. And so right now we are immersed with AI, I think. And I mean, this alone. Yeah. There's, oh my not, God. there's not long till this is in contacts or in your arm. And we'll be like, oh, remember we used to have that big blocky thing that we'd have to carry in our pockets? Maybe we used to have pockets on your pants. It's going to be like this now? It's going to be something. Yeah. Banana sure. phone. You know, I, who knows? But it's like, I think that it's like the very first step. So I guess, like I said, my my addiction i guess if you want to call it that do you want to call it that no not really i think it's something that i just really enjoy i i do feel like a like i really desire to go do it but i'm not like i won't relapse mm -hmm. i won't i won't start sweating if i don't go ride a motorcycle mm -hmm. um but when i get it i'm i'm pretty well cured yeah you know and the, and the same thing with other, some other situations but i feel a lot of people that are like high level athletes as well, like they, they feel as I feel, feel like they feel the same thing in a lot of regard. Like they have that, that space to go to. And it's not, it's not the same as just being on earth, going to the grocery store. Of course not. It's a very different thing of to immerse course. yourself in. Of course. And so people that skydive, people that ski and snowboard, and it's just, you know, we've all pushed it so far. I mean, the Olympics used to be the biggest thing. Now it's X games. Like people, it's like, did you even watch the Olympics? I have no interest. Right. And that's what I'm I've never of, had any interest. Same as, which is so bizarre, but it's like, you ask a lot of people about X games and they're like, oh yeah, like Sean White, or they know these like other athletes that would have not have been, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I think it's different for everyone. I also know a lot of people that are, you know, adrenaline junkies, if you will. And they're very broken people too. Yeah. You know, they're like, I don't really care if I die. Like a lot of my skydive friends, I'm like, like I have one, one friend, he's just like, Hey, if I, if I, if I don't have a, if my shoe doesn't deploy, like, I'm okay with it. I would, you know, I kind of strive for that myself. Do you one not have that? No. One of the things that I'm, I'm really looking forward to embodying in the next decade of my life is the uh, peace with death to make, making peace with death. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't want to die. I really don't. I really, do, I don't want to die. I don't want to suffer. Yeah. And I don't know, you know, death is like this giant mysterious thing from my research about death, uh, because it is interesting to me because I'm afraid of it. Right. Mm -hmm. I research things that I'm afraid of rape, serial killers, death. And you're actually afraid of serial killers. 
I mean, on a fundamental level, yes. I mean, I'm not afraid that they're going to come and get me, but yeah. I'm I'm afraid. I'm like the the phenomenon scares me and is like I'm in awe of it. It's like someone who wants to kill other people. Yeah. Uh, as like this is like an addiction, if you will, the addiction for blood, killing another human is so. I guess. I mean, in spiritual principles, if I see that and it bothers me, then it must must be something in there that I have as well, right? But it's like, what? So what is? What would I that be? I don't. I have. I haven't gotten there yet. I guess that but. seems. That's sometimes it hits. I hit a wall with some of that stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because it's like, well, what is it about you? I'm like, well, I don't like serial killers. I don't like. It's not that I don't. I'm actually a little. I, I not anymore, but I was pretty obsessed with them. Yeah. Like pretty obsessed with. You know the what stories part? behind them. The the how did they grow up? What was their life like? How did they start doing this? This is just I was very intrigued by the the specimen. And it's 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 interesting to see like what commonalities they had and what got everyone to right. that to that right wha- weird bad dance. Yeah, exactly. So with death, supposedly, and I and I believe that to be true, but I believe it. I believe it, I believe it's not embodied knowledge. It's like, I believe it in my mind. I believe it. I've read about it. I've explored it intellectually. Right. But it's not embodied. Like, yes, when my time is, has come, please take me. Yeah. I don't feel that. I'm like, please forsake me. I want to live till I'm 250 years old. Yeah. And then by then maybe there will be more way to prolong my life yeah but please keep me in this body i don't want to look to 250 but that's a whole other, <laughs> that's a whole other conversation yeah. <laughs> like wow so you cut it off at 250 that's an interesting choice yeah. um well isn't it so, kind of weird too that you know a lot of the people that were involved in some of the lsd trials and studies mm-hmm. have become serial killers i did not know this piece of information yeah they say that like uh what's his name manson Richard Manson? No. Charlie Ma- Char- Charlie Manson. Sorry, Richard. It's a different Richard. His cousin. His cousin, <laughs> his cousin Richard. He's actually, Richard was a great guy. He was, he was an insurance, <laughs> yeah. insurance Wore salesman. khakis on Sunday like a goddamn American. <laughs> 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 yeah. But no, like they, I think. Charles he, Manson. Yeah, he was he part was, of. He part was of, he? Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Okay, so who else? Uh, Ken- the guy that was in the, ch- in the shack in Montana, uh, Bundy. Ted Bundy was in the in the. Uh, I might have all this wrong. I know for sure Manson. Okay, we need to Google this right now. We should Google this right now. Okay. We have our and we have our our, our Jamie on hand. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, uh, serial killers. Ted Bundy. And LSD. Yeah, serial killer. Yeah, exactly. There, I think there's a lot. Yeah. Not a lot, but there's like a f- a few. And they're kind. Of, and then I think it was Bundy who was. It was it Bundy or. Or McVeigh, or Timothy McVeigh. You want to actually I, something that I watched last night. I watched this documentary about. Uh, it's called um, the woman who, who who the woman who talks to dolphins or something like that. Men who stare at goats. Yeah, but no, okay. dolphins. And yeah, woman. Um, okay. It's about an experiment done in the sixties. On dolphins, this woman was trying to teach a dolphin how to speak English. 
and this guy, Doctor Something Lily, Thank was. Thank you for clarifying English because I was. <laughs> yeah. Any word would be great. Yeah, yeah, any word in any language. Totally. Um, and this guy, this scientist, uh, he was the guy behind this uh, experiment. Very cruel, very cruel experiment. Um, definitely for me, like, I, I can't. I, animal experiment. I'm, like a hardcore vegan, this is something that I will not stand behind. At the same time, it's very interesting to witness mm -hmm. in, in, you know, in retrospect. Um, and at some point, he um, he started experimenting, the scientist started experimenting with LSD on himself and got a little bit out of hand and did a lot. And he ended up injecting the dolphin with acid. And I believe nothing happened. Things started doing stand-up comedy immediately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he like he's like, hey, like, how about fluent. that? How about them plankton? You know. <laughs> so at the end of the day, nothing. I think nothing happened to the dolphin under the influence of acid. The dolphin was separated from his handler, the woman who was trying to teach him how to speak, and short after. He committed suicide. Apparently, they can commit suicide. They can stop themselves from breathing. And the doctor, Dr. Lily guy, um, actually came forth and said that he was uh, remorseful for doing that experimentation, that it was very, very cruel. One might argue that it was his experimentation with acid that has brought him to this kind of uh, change of heart hmm. i can't say that for sure because that wasn't the paradigm of the movie or right. the film but i would assume that doing an exuberant amount of, of lsd would re you you do reach um you know a level of consciousness that you can't escape the understanding of you know what might cruelty do to you and your surroundings yeah yeah, it sounds like he finally was faced with some sort of compassion that maybe he was lacking in his life right. at the previous moments. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely bizarre. I mean, like to a dolphin on acid, I mean, that seems like how they got him to perform at SeaWorld, you know? It's like, it's like how did they even bring these animals to perform like this? It's it's not because they they're were trainable. Feed, we well, are trainable as well. I know, but it's so bizarre. It's like, it's not, they're not getting that way by, you know, belly rubs and getting fish you know it's like there's some crazy repetitive repetition and fish right incentive they kind of smack them around a little bit too also, yeah of course i mean it's like i get it like you know it, i don't get it actually but it's no i don't get it at all as a kid who i went to sea world you know because we didn't know it was like 80s yeah a zoo is also like the worst thing ever yeah that's definitely bizarre to see animals caged up in a zoo why yeah it's it's the dominion of man we can be rulers for the good and we can be rulers for 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 evil and right now man is evil right yeah. man we we are not using our intelligence and power for the good in any way it's yeah. just not happening it was like you know it's i thought about the zoo thing too because it's like some of the animals that are being rescued they are being rescued from a worse environment right but then they end up in like the Bronx Zoo. It's like it's not a nice zoo. If if you're rescuing an animal, give it like an animal rescue. Like let it be in like a beautiful environment. Yeah. 
put it where it in in a different in a different free environment right if it was like rescued from a fire somewhere right and yeah. it's let's say it's a kangaroo rescued from a fire put it in another place where there's kangaroos yeah yeah no i know i, I feel like, well i feel like sometimes there's there's like babies that need to be brought back to health and there's like there's things like that like orangutans and rhinos and things like that but it's possible why not just have like a couple really big places you know, like because basically the Afri- the the lines in Africa, they say are none of them are really free roaming because there's so many high fences everywhere. So it's not like I think their migration isn't as broad as what the fences are necessarily, but there are fences all around. And so basically to protect the commu- the the, hu- the human communities, right? I think also to protect the lines. I think a lot of money's gone through gone to conservation of lines there mm. because that's great. you know and that's and that's why people have such a problem. Remember when Cecil the Lion got shot, and they're like, "Well, actually, the the money that is going to Cecil the Lion getting shot, Cecil the Lion's been killing other lions and causing problems, so we're killing Cecil." And then they end up killing Cecil, but the, it costs that guy like you know half million dollars. So all that goes into high fence operations, and, and I obviously don't know exactly how it all works, but I know that's the theory. And so for here, for example, like, I don't know if you saw Lion King. I mean, first of all, come on, hilarious show, hilarious movie. The guy is totally off of his rocker. It was perfect Which timing. One? Who? All of them, first of all. <laughs> all of them are just bizarre beings. Um, but it's like, you know, it's it's been said that there's more tigers in captivity in Texas or tigers and lions in Texas than there are in the whole world. Have you seen Tiger King? Tiger that's, what, King? that's what I'm saying. Oh, Tiger King! I said you said that you you said Lion King, and I'm like Mufasa. Oh, oh no 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 Lion King! No, I'm sorry, Tiger, Tiger King. King. God Tiger damn it! King. Oh my God, it's it's the worst. He's trying to get Donald Trump to pardon him. I mean, like it's just like the craziest time of like right when COVID happens and like yeah. here's this whole situation. When we thought we were gonna just gonna be do this for doing this for a couple of months. Yeah, yeah, and then it's like you know then that comes out and it's like but it really brought like I remember passing through Oklahoma and seeing those signs for that and being like wow you can go like just see tigers that's kind of crazy. And then to see the behind the scenes of how those things were actually living and what was actually going on. It's like, those things weren't with a sound dude. No. like that, And that's what's crazy. That guy had like some top apex predators just on his property. The general public is around. And then there's that dude with his mullet and wranglers. What was his name? Joe. 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 Amazing. Joe. 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 God damn it. What the fuck? Joe something. Joe Exotic. Yeah. Joe Exotic. <laughs> ah! He could have chose anything. Yeah, but he chose well. Actually. It's actually. It's really good. And then they, they came to find out that all his songs that he was doing, weren't, it was all voiceovers. I didn't know that. All the songs were voiceovers. It wasn't actually him. He's like, I shot a tiger. Like all that shit. That's not him singing. Such a great artist. It's <laughs> an unbelievable time. And he did all the math. Of course. Sorry. I mean, that really, that's a face only a mother could love. Yeah, do you, so do you think methamphetamines have a, a place in the guided ex- experience? Huh. Ah. That's a good question. Let's go back. Okay. I'll go, I'll go cocaine instead of meth mm-hmm. because it's more uh, like an endorsed kind of substance. Yeah. I've never done it. Never done cocaine? No. Okay. The reason I've never done cocaine is when I observe other people on it, it's an enhancer, right? And I feel like it's enhancing the wrong thing about us. Yeah. So does it have a place? Maybe. Does it feel good? Probably. I, people seem to really like it and do a shit ton of it. But 
is it enhancing the parts of us that we wish to be enhanced? You know, the, the, the proof could be found in the after effect. In the after effect, it's often filled with shame and guilt and regret. Mm -hmm. A night like that's like, oh, I feel so great waking up from my cocaine night. No, no one said no one ever. Ever. Um, like I'm ready to get after it. No, it's 6 a.m. There's yeah. they got to be to work in an hour. Exactly. Yeah. So, and do you have any insight? Did you make any, like, did you, did you tighten your bonds with people? What was the benefit of that except for enhancement of ego for a very short amount of time for a lot of money? Yeah. So for that, I, I, I look at that. I see, I, I look at the pros and cons and the cons for me in this regard really outweigh the pros. Yeah. And then I'll take MDMA and there are absolute cons to MDMA. Especially the day after. The day after you feel very depleted, your ser serotonin levels deplete significantly, right? Because you, you, you generate a lot of it during the, the trip. Um, and it's very dangerous. So this is really one substance that you should not be doing a lot. Um, yeah, people are. Uh, yeah, they do it a ton. It's so obvious when people are doing it too much, right? But what it, about what about? Uh, sorry, I just this random thought came. What about uh, G? Hold on, we'll get to G as well. What a like this just came out of nowhere. So no, it's been around. for Oh, a it has, of course, in certain communities. Yeah, it's basically roofies. Yeah, but the 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 idea with with MDMA. Again, if I weigh the pros and the cons, so health, health was like physically MDMA, not so bueno, but what it can do on an emotional, spiritual level is very valuable. So I would absolutely vote for it. Yeah. Now, if we go to G, I don't have firsthand experience of G. I was actually a couple of weeks ago was offered G and I've, I chose not to take it. Mm -hmm. um, I hear from what I understand, it is the, the feeling is like having a couple of drinks. So it's like the right kind of drunk. So that, that the kind of like fast, loose, tipsy vibe. And I know it's really great for sex. Yeah. So people are really into that experience. I haven't had a, an experience with that personally, but I'm not against having one in the right setting. Uh, and I can I can report back. It's funny because almost every person I talk to about G, it's all about the sex. I'm like, well, how boring is your sex? You got to just spike it. So like it's it, almost every person's like, well, the sex on G. I'm like, okay. Well, the sex right. could be interesting on various substances. Of like course. Experimenting with, with the substances and sex is actually, it's an interesting practice. Yeah. It doesn't have to be because it's boring. It's it's an exploration. Yeah. Um, well, sex, I, I find like I sex, sex uh, sober is the best sex. Ha like there's no question about it. Yeah. Whoever says otherwise, they probably have some kind of problem. Well, or, though that's what I'm kind of getting at. Everyone that I know that's doing it, there's, it's like only that before sex a lot of times. And I'm they like, only, they only have sex with it? <clears throat> most, I mean, yeah, I would say probably 80, 90% of the time 
it loosens you up from what I understand. You become like maybe a little less inhibited and that's what people need. Instead of working on them, on, them, on themselves to yeah. be a little less inhibited, they want to take the magic pill. This mm-hmm. is human, the human condition, human nature Yeah, to want to take the easy route. It's like, oh, let me work on my issues around nudity and around like openness and yeah. around my body. Right. Uh, instead, let me take this like drink and like go go off yeah go off uh, <laughs> yeah i mean i don't know it's i think i think exploration in anything is definitely uh it definitely has a place but it's i i've i've kind of found like a common denominator with people that seem to have like that little tincture of g with them i'm like mm-hmm, okay like i don't think this is going to solve any problems in your life but all right uh you know, I, I think that there's, I, I can't really throw rocks from my glass house, you know, like I use cannabis and, you know, I guess I don't have a seat at the table, but I don't, I don't really find myself uh, getting incoherent off of cannabis and or people around me. I've seen a lot of really weird shit happen with G and I, I, I strongly advise people out there, if you're like going to do it, like do it with the right people. Because, I never ever drink alcohol with it. But they always do. I've never it's seen. It's very dangerous. They always say while they're drinking a beer, yeah, but don't drink on it. Every person, I'm like, dude, you are. Everyone is just the worst. I know shaman. someone. I know someone who uh, took the G by accident while he was drinking. It was in a bottle of water, and he drank it. Oh. And he almost died. Yeah. He was in the hospital for like six months. Jesus. He was like on the verge of death, like a young guy, like our age. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, it's it's really no joke. It really shouldn't be done. Yeah, no, I I, I that one worries me. A and bit. always look at ca- uh, contraindications. Like there are maps, tables that show you doing ketamine with cannabis, doing MDMA with, you know, like look at the cocktails you're about to to partake in, and and make sure always to to that you're you're drugging responsibly. Yeah so important why die i mean i mean i guess why not because we're all dying anyway yeah why not just die (laughs) (laughs) just you know what why not just die i mean ultimately i think you do if you have a real spiritual experience you know you shed the old self constantly yeah it's a constant um death and rebirth and like happening all at once yeah so what's your uh what do you like to do besides this? Like, what's your, like a, a fun activity of yours? Because you... shooting rabbits. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that makes sense. Imagine. Yeah. <laughs> but like, really, like stuff that I like to do. Yeah. Do you like to surf? Um. No. Ski, snowboard. I, I ski. Yeah. I haven't done it in a while. I've been in the states for sixteen years, and since I've been here, since it's been so cold, when I lived in Israel, it would be it made way more sense for me to go on cold vacations. Like going to you know Europe for a ski trip made more sense when I was in the belligerent heat of Israel. Yeah. But now I'm a little less inclined. I really I'm a, a I'm an ocean gravitator. Um. So I really just like to be in the ocean, swimming. Sw- not even swimming. Like you're you're talking movement, ex- like like movement movement uh, practices. Yoga is a big practice of mine. I practice yoga. I've been practicing for fifteen years. Uh, dance is a huge thing for me. I would sometimes like put music in my house and dance all night by myself, but not like you would dance. For me, dance could be 
totally a journey into understanding myself better. It's really like it's become a profound, especially during COVID, it become it became such a profound practice for me. Uh, I also lift a little bit because when I got injured, uh, I couldn't move in the way that I'm. I was used to moving, so I had to kind of modify my movement practices. So I started working with bands and doing like repetitive, like, you know, Pilates stuff and more like, you know, functional training stuff with weights and stuff like this. And then, you know, I really believe that just changing routines on the body and constantly um, surprising the body. Mm -hmm. It's like, I'm not doing anything all the time. I might do yoga today. Tomorrow I'm going to go for a bike ride. The day after I'm going to lift. Then I'm going to go to Pilates. Then I'm going to do yoga again. Then I'm going to just go, oh, I love schwitzing. I love sauna. Oh, what is what you call it? Schwitzing. What is what is this Schwitz word? Schwitz means to sweat. In what? In Yiddish, I believe. Ah, schwitzing. Yeah, but we call it the schwitz. I, I will now forever call it that. You better. Schwitzing. schwitzing. I'm going schwitzing. You're going schwitzing today. Or, ha- or going to the schwitz. Have you ever done an ice bath? I haven't. I've done cold plunge, but oh, yeah. not, a, not an ice bath. Did we talk about that? Uh, we talked about Wim Hof. Yeah. No, um, I mean, but the other night. No, I don't believe that we have. Oh. But there's definitely an extraordinary state of consciousness on the other side of uh, a cold. There's some that it's the way of uh, activating the lymphatic system. So it's very powerful. Oh, it's very, very powerful. Uh, Very tough mentally to just exist in that water. Totes. Yeah. Yeah. I've done a a, last summer. I was doing it a fair amount and it's I didn't get to where I really wanted to be with it. You know, it's I watch like the vice piece even with Wim and it's just like every it's he gets people like in this state. I think it's probably different than just, you know, putting a bunch of ice in a tub on the on the deck. But it's when you're with him and you're like in a waterfall and he's like teaching you through the whole thing. Um, but I think that it's it like just through that little bit of just it almost forces you into like a breathwork exercise. Right. Otherwise, you can't be in there. Right. You can't be in there hyperventilating. You will not last. Yeah. And you yeah. can get sick. Yeah. If you don't do the breath work. Right. While you're in it. Yeah. And that's actually happening. I did a polar plunge in Montana like, a long time ago. When I was like in school. And I'm getting laryngitis immediately. And then as I got older, I was like, well, no, like I should be able to do that. I should be able to go in the ice water. You know, I remember like back then, it's like our concepts are so different among like all across the board. It's like our parents would say, don't, you can't go in the ice lake. You'll, it's too cold. You'll, you'll get hypothermia and yeah, you'll die. Yeah. You know, don't make a face. It'll stick yeah, like that. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> but it's like, you know, you go, in, if you go in the lake, but it's like, you actually can go in the lake. Yeah. You can 100% go in the you lake. You can. Don't you take my to- advice from yeah. this, but like. Watch Wim Hof and then practice with. There's so many Wim Hof practitioners all over the country and all over the world. It's like possible to just get a little bit of training with it, right? Mm-hmm. What would you say in your current understanding of Wim Hof and his method? What is the paradigm? Why are we doing this? Why are people doing this breath work? Yes. Why are we why are we cold plunging or ice uh, ice bathing with the breath work? What are we trying to get to? Like, why is this done? I think that there's a big movement in people finding comfort and discomfort. And mm-hmm. that's the extreme as you can go without laying in a bed of fire, which would obviously be harmful to you. Right. But uh, I think w- this probably wouldn't so much exist if Wim hadn't done this and got the exposure that he got. I don't know that it would have maybe been such a prominent thing in society. Uh, I think he, him going on Joe's podcast even like brought a lot of awareness to it and mm-hmm. Uh, so I think there's, there's that. And I think, like, I think bot, like baseline, it's really people are finding that if you can force yourself to be uncomfortable, 
and not be in a state of just being uncomfortable because of the existence. Not just stressed. Yeah, not just being uncomfortable because of the state of your existence, which is very different. If you can have so much control of your life to where you're creating the moments when you're going to be uncomfortable, obviously you're going to have anomalies. But if you have that moment a day or a week or what have you where you force yourself to do something that you're very uncomfortable with and you can maintain conscious and clear, consciousness and clarity within that moment, I think that there's a lot of fruit in that. And I think that that I think that that fruit is worth the squeeze because ultimately you have this ability to it's like when you go work out, it may suck. It's not that fun. Personally, I don't enjoy it. But not when every I, time, not every time you are like, yeah, no, almost never any time for okay. me. Yeah. But like when I get done, I'm like, I did that. Yeah. And then when I'm like even having a conversation, it's like it's corny, but it's like, yeah, we just got done running like however far we just did this like workout. We just did this, and you feel better about that. Yeah. So I think that people are realizing the simplicity and like the foundational aspect of their existence. If you can just get that gym in and every day, if you can eat clean, you know, it's like we've been eating, we we ate pretty strictly vegan for like four or five months. Mm. And then we kind of like started cheating with fish or like this and that. But then when we do cheat, it doesn't feel good. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like there's, t- we will have cheat days where it's like, all right, cut, we're, we're people. Mm-hmm. But not like, it's not like we're like going out and eating steak and this. Mm-hmm. It's like we, like we have the, like our cheat is so different now. A cheat yeah. could be like a, so much more of a basic treat. It's like a, yeah. a bowl of fruit. Yeah. And before it was like, no, bowl of fruit, I'm eating a pint of half baked ice cream. Right. Like, and that's a personal serving, right? Totally. And so it's like to move away from that, it takes a lot yeah. of uncomfort and absolutely and restriction. Yeah. And as much as people don't want to admit it, like, and then you enjoy the little things. That's suddenly. what I'm saying. A yeah. strawberry becomes like decadent. You, yeah. Absolutely. Totally agree. Totally agree. Yeah. I don't know. It's, so I don't know. I think that that's kind of the reasoning why people are kind of in such pursuit and people are in such pursuit. But there of has truth. to be some like some like ultimate physical reasoning behind it. It's like, why sit in this ice container and breathe in this fashion? Well, because what I th- am I opening up inside? What is happening exactly? Well, I think that um, I think that there is an ability to mentally fight off sickness. Mm. Um, and I think that that is something that you just show yourself that you are capable of things beyond your wildest dreams. Like I didn't think I was capable of that. Now I know that I am. And and for some people, it's as simple as just sitting in the ice water. You know, some people wouldn't even fly to Austria. Now they're flying to Austria and sitting in the water with this random wild man who came up with these techniques based off of a lot of pain. You know, he didn't come up with this because he wanted to heal the world. He, He came up with it because he was trying to heal himself. What was wrong with him? He lost his wife and I think there was just, you know, he was a single father and then he was, you know, kind of just like, I think it kind of life pointed him in this direction. Mm. And, the, you know, but even so much that scientists had hooked him up uh, intravenously to a uh, to a drip of a strain of flu or some sort of sickness. And then they monitored him with like all these different EKG readings and all these different, like they monitored his whole body. And as they were administering it, he was able to maintain the same body temperature so he didn't show fever um, and he was able to actually combat the sickness while under the guidance of professionals. Like they, they documented it. It was not, they were like, they were blown away. Like so this is immunity based. This is immunity based hundred percent. So it's Interesting. This is building so immunity. This is like a perfect time to, for everyone to start engaging with, with this kind of stuff. Right. Well, I think, I think exactly that. Cause I mean, I know myself personally too. I've been getting sick before, like, or feeling like a little sickness. And I just mentally go in and like, I will like physically say to myself, like, send the troops, like go like yeah. fight this, like fight. This like, is I'll, very... I'll actually say it inside my head. Like, and I know it sounds 
ridiculous. It but doesn't it, actually. But I, I literally will do that. And I'm not saying it works every time, but I feel like I just bring awareness to like my inside. Like, hey, like we have, like you're getting the sniffles. You don't feel well or like whatever it is. It's not happening. Yeah. And this is not happening right now. It, it's very Joe Dispenza. Do you know Joe Dispenza? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, I, I was working with that. I, when I got injured, I was really, really concerned that I wasn't going to go back to being myself. And I, I really needed to kind of like pause and reclaim my, my faith in my body to my body's ability to heal itself. And, uh, his, his writing, I was, that I was listening to, I wasn't actually reading it. Yeah. I think, uh, you are the placebo mm -hmm. is the name of the book. You are the placebo is the one where he healed himself right. from a really severe spinal injury, completely back to normal. Yeah. He was he was told that he was never going to walk again yeah. or something crazy like that. So we are so powerful. We can heal ourselves. Oh, especially with the, the, the merge of like, and this is kind of like the dance. It's like what we were talking about before with Western medicine as well. It's like I was, I think, telling you the other night, like even when I broke my femur, this is the rod that was in my femur. Seriously? Yeah. This is actually it? This is actually it. That's a piece of titanium. This was in your bone, in your That was in my femur. And then this this tattoo that I have, this one, is one of the heads of those bolts. Well. And so, but with that, you know, I was able to heal. If that happened when, you know, we had horses and buggies, it would be such a bad scenario. So, you know, with that merge, it's like, I, I remember when I, when I first got the injury, for example, I was 16 years old and the doctor was like, Hey, you're, you have a year off of doing nothing. And, uh, I end up getting caught by my father riding my motorcycle at the house, like probably like a month after the incident happened. And it was just kind of like a mental thing that had, had gone on. Like it's as a motorcycle rider, it's like literally get back on the horse, like as soon as mm -hmm. possible. It's just like mm -hmm. a Makes thing sense. that happens. So I was at home and I'm playing MX versus ATV like every single day. It's a video game and that's all you can do when you're injured. So I was home and it's like, you know, I think it was getting to be almost like the start of summer. I, I couldn't go to school, I think. Yeah, I couldn't go to school really. And um, so I end up going out in the garage and figuring out a way to get my motorcycle started. And I just wanted to go ride it up and down the driveway just to like, you know, hey, I can, I'm riding a motorcycle again. And uh, of course he came home a little early and he saw me and he's like, oh, you can ride a motorcycle? you're going to work. So I worked that whole summer and I didn't do the fun work. I picked rock wow. like a, like a old time job, like just picking rocks, putting them in a bucket. Pick, like that's what I did majority of that summer. And by that fall I was racing. Wow. And so instead of taking a full year off, it was about five, six months and I yeah. was riding a motorcycle again. And then so much to where the doctor in, in, in that time too, I, there was no conversation about manifestation or whatever but for whatever reason i always felt compelled to just like kind of like manifest in my head like me riding again what you want me getting better yeah and so like i did i exponentially got you, better like, innately had the right idea yeah yeah and so i you know i ultimately i feel like i did a lot of self-healing although i did have a big piece of titanium uh which helped a lot but you know there was a lot of like self like internal healing, I think that made a big difference. And and even the doctor's like, wow, you healed exponentially fast. This yeah. is bizarre. Yeah. So I did, I started racing again. Then they made the decision like, hey, we should take this rod back out because if you ever break it within there, with it in there again, you're going to have a big problem. Mm. So we chose then that next winter. So instead of having, they basically take that rod back out that next winter. So the whole, it took me a year and I basically broke my femur twice. Right. You know, so. Did you break it since? 
No. Okay. Oh God, knock on all the wood, all like the everything. Wood. I hope never nobody has to experience that. That it's feeling like a sucks. Very serious. Like it's very hard to break a femur bone. I thought so too. Apparently, it's pretty easy. People have been really? breaking them left and right lately, especially because some of the new protective equipment. Like I know this in is your maybe in your line of uh, of adventure, it's very well. It's so bizarre because I actually know a girl who fell over a waterfall, went out camping in like Joshua Tree. Shout out, Jackie. Um, she's this girl that lives in California now, but she, uh, fell over a waterfall and snapped her femur and was like way out. Her story is actually almost worse than mine because she, she broke this like maybe four or five years ago now. And, uh, she ended up falling over a waterfall and then they they couldn't get to like an ambulance. There's like a three hour hike out to get to like even get cell phone service. And then they finally get a helicopter. And it was like, I think like 12 hours of before she even saw the hospital. It's, it may even been more. Oh, poor Jackie. Yeah, she got destroyed. And so- uh, How's she doing now? Oh, she's great. She was actually on some, I forget what the show was, like some dancing show actually. Good for her. Yeah, she's she's super dancey and funny. Oh, great. Yeah, but she's made a full recovery, but like it's still a big part of her. Like she like, you know, she'll like do like a throwback story on Instagram about it because it was very traumatic. Of course. You know, it was a serious event. Injuries are so, they're they're- there's such times of contemplation, mm-hmm. really, especially when you have them when you're a little bit older. Yeah. I will never be the same since my injury. <laughs> yeah, totally. And I'm really changed me completely. Yeah. Metaphorically, literally, everything about that injury, you know, right foot, right way in the world, right? The masculine. Yeah. The way that we are in the world. It's like I had to lean left. I had to stop, pause, not do anything, sit, listen, be quiet, observe. Ah, and 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 also completely surrender and trust because my body needed to do its thing and heal. Yeah. And also, I got a, a one-year recovery prognosis. Is that prognosis the right word? For in, in what like meaning? I, I I was told that it was going to take about a year from scratch Full to heal. finish. Full heal. Yeah. I did it in about seven, eight months. Yeah. So it was like, okay, we got this. And it's such a teaching thing to be injured. I, you know, it was so horribly painful and sad to be just like, out of commission for, but, but I'm so grateful for that experience. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, they always seem to have some sort of impact. I've broken a lot of bones and been laid up a lot of my life. And so I know it well. Yeah. And it's, it's, it is, it's such a bummer. It always seems to happen in summertime too. Yeah. When you have to like have a cast and not be able to go into the ocean. Yeah. It's like, oh, all right, you guys have fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's always that way. Always. Me too. I, oh, I, I broke my wrist, my right wrist twice twice as a kid in the summer yeah that's how it goes it's always that way so annoying. i know i know yeah i mean it's it seems like most well, probably when people are being active mostly yeah you know, in the spring we run around yeah so what do you how do people find you how do the people get in touch with you if they want to do this do you so, have a social media? I have all the social media. So the center social media is womb center on instagram w-o-o-m C-E-N-T-E-R. Yeah. And my personal is Elian Zach, E-L-I-A-N-Z-A-C-H. Is that why you didn't uh, follow me at first? You didn't want me to see the work? Oh, no. Oh, I thought maybe you were like purposely, because like, I was like, all right, we're not good. We're going to keep it. So yeah. For, I mean, for those of you listening, we did not know each other before this. Like yeah, we, we had a dinner the other night with we some friends. We happened to sit next to each other yeah. at dinner. Yeah. And then, and then we're but just- But I was told before, before you came that you should be on that podcast. Yeah. Uh, 
that's so funny. Yeah. So the the podcast I don't know if I told you the name is called Artists of Life. Yes. Okay, I did tell you, but it's about people that that live their life and 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 are the ultimate creators and artists of their life. Mm. And so that's that's what I'm interested in. I think that a lot of people are doing that, and more so now than ever. As far as I mean, it's like back in a long time ago, if you were born into being a blacksmith, you were a blacksmith. And that's right. that's what you did. No choice. Yeah. And so now it's like we have all the choices so much that it's crippling. It's very true. You know, it's like, oh, I can do everything. Ugh, can I just be a blacksmith? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But freedom. Freedom is the ultimate value. And it's also very, as you said, crippling because there's so many, uh, so many ways we can turn. Yeah. So many, right. Different directions. But then. it's crazy how like life and you said that when we were having dinner and we both agreed on it that there's a perfection right and it's some somehow things recalibrate everything kind of like evens itself out even when things are shitty yeah there's somehow kind of like oh that shitty thing had to happen or you know, I, I I have these two, this fork in the road. I don't know what to do. I could do anything and I can, okay, I'll just do this. And somehow that was the right decision yeah. uh, in some way because it can lead you to another and can lead you to another. And it's just really, at this point, I find an expansion of awareness constantly hmm. because that's a real superpower. Yeah. Like being so aware of of the self yeah it's it's a little bit of everything right yeah it's sometimes it's a curse even yeah and then it's funny sometimes it'd be just nice to mouth breathe and you can mouth breathe have a red mustache but just know that you're doing it and you, you can mouth breathe in your red mustache <laughs> 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 at a red light if you have a red mustache i'm sorry i'm just playing <laughs> but, but really it's yellow Mm-mm. Mm-mm. ayahuasca and pa right now right <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I'm really glad that we had this conversation and and just talked about this. And if you have any like programs that you want to come on and promote and talk about, maybe you had profound knowledge you want and wisdom you want to share. I'm always here to do that. And uh, is there anything else you want to plug? Don't you have something coming up at the end of September? I have something coming up really soon. I don't know when you're going to publish this. Probably Monday. Okay. So we have a little bit of time, actually. Um, I'm doing a... My first New York sound journey experience in Brooklyn on September 3rd, I want to say. It's a Friday night. I think it's a September 3rd um, at this new space in Brooklyn called Sounds Nice. And it's a group of really cool cats who are all in the sound mindfulness mindfulness space also mental health centric uh and that that should be really cool and then a big breathwork experience is coming up in the end of september uh tba on the date either the 22nd or the 23rd in a beautiful location but till then i don't know i'm just flowing with it i love it well very nice to meet you so nice to meet you thank you for having me no thank you